Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm May. Hello, I'm Chaos, and, and our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. Love is love. Stop, 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 Happiness is egg-shaped, and loves a circle with no end. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Happiness Is podcast with me, your host, Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Is Egg Shaped. And when I first decided that this was what was going to happen, we were going to have a podcast, I made a list of people that I had to make sure I got on. And this man was on the original list and I can prove it because I've got it right here and I've started to score them off as we speak to them. He said yes. He then had to check some things and move some things around and get his people to speak to other people. But we have nailed him down and we have got him here. I'm not even sure how to introduce this man. He is the master of many, many trades. Uh, Loves of leather. He knows me well, so I'm a little bit concerned about where this is going to go. He's more than willing to give me a bit of stick, but he is a hero of mine and he probably won't like to hear that. He's well known in many rugby circles and he is probably impacted on your club or your team or your country in some way, shape or form with his unbelievable passion and creativity for a bit of the game that I still don't understand the breakdown. He has his own company. He's no doubt going to tell us all about that. He's not just in rugby. He's in the NFL and pretty much anything else that has an egg-shaped ball. He is the one and he is the only Mr. Richie Gray. Welcome. <laughs> That's a pretty good introduction, that Bruce. I just... <laughs> couldn't, do, couldn't do that any better myself. <laughs> if somebody said, Richie, what do you do? What's your response? Uh, what do I do? 
That's a great question. Well, I was I was meant to be a PE teacher to start off with, and then on the day of my graduation, I can remember my father getting in touch with me. I was at Moray House up in Edinburgh, so you couldn't even get in touch with mobile phones then. It was just a phone at the end of the at the end of the halls of residence hallway. And I can remember him saying to me on the morning of my graduation, he said, listen, have a look in the Scotsman newspaper. There's three jobs for rugby development officers. He said, I don't know what they are. He said, but they're, they're rugby development officers. And and I thought, geez, rugby development officer. I wonder what that, that was, you know, because it was such a new job then. So I remember graduating. And then the next day I put in your CV and your application, got sent it away. Uh, and the laugh was, it's funny, Bruce, how things come the full circle. I'd spent my whole last year uh, PE college, my degree of studying skill acquisition in rugby. So that was my my thesis, my final year's sort of honours degree piece of work. So you knew more about it than pretty much most of the people that would have been interviewing you. So I remember going for the interview, Jim Telfer interviewed me. And it's a classic story, this, because I'd been sent off playing for Gala about four weeks beforehand. Uh, and you never used to get sent off in rugby. It had to be pretty bad to get sent off. And I was sent off. Gala versus Hoyk, border league game, Netherdale, sent off. Uh, not great. Ray, Ray Megson was the referee. Sent Hang off. on a minute. It's hard enough to get sent off, but getting sent off in a Gala against yeah. Hoyk game, you must yeah, have committed was... murder. It was an absolute, uh, it was, it wasn't great. So anyway, I remember Jim interviewing me and he said to me, it's the, it's the one thing that I've always remembered. You must always be honest in whatever you do. You must be honest. And Jim said, he said, Rich, he said, I'm, I'm looking at you. He said, you've not played for Gala the last four weeks. Now I could have quite easily said, Jim, End of fourth year P college exams, the whole lot. And I thought, you know what? Jeez, what do I do here? So here I am getting interviewed for a rugby development officer's job. I'm thinking, this is it. I'm going here. So I said, Jim, I got I got sent off against Hoyt. Oh, yeah. So you did. I remember. Yeah, that's right. He knew fine well. So I got the job, funnily enough, but he sent me to Aberdeen. For three years, I went up to Aberdeen to be a development officer for the SRU. But uh, I tell you what, I loved it. It was a it was a great three years, great start, and that was 1994. It was a year before I actually went pro. So I've been involved in rugby. Well, I've been involved in rugby all my life, and I'm now 50. But 24, 25 years in professional sport. So pretty much seen it all. But you were <laughs> the good, you the good, you the bad, were like the, ugly. the good, the bad, the ugly. You were like rock stars, though the development officers when you got given the keys to those Ford galaxies. And you, started with a map. Oh, was it a map? Or is it, it a, was a jeep. There was about four hundred balls in the back, and you arrived at places, and it was like the ice cream van and a bouncy castle all rolled into one. It was like this heroes arrived. You know, so I can remember Bruce Lee. I was a student, right? So literally, we've all been students, you know, living on about £5.50 a week, <laughs> eating potatoes and drinking water, you know, in the last <laughs> week of the month. And uh, I can remember applying for this job, and I and we got it. And I arrived at Murrayfield on the first day, and it was like, okay, here's the keys to the car. And I thought, a car? I didn't even have a clue. Gave me a car, this brand new Ford Maverick. And I'd, 
you know, as a student. Uh, and then, you know, you were, it, it wasn't a massive salary, but it was literally it was 500 times better than you'd been on as a student. So literally you went from like the sublime, the ridiculous, I used to think, you know, but on saying that, like for any guys that have ever been in development and if you do it properly, you were working 80 plus hours a week. It was crazy hours. And you were a young guy, so you were really enthusiastic. I had the northeast of Scotland, and you just you just bounced off of people's enthusiasm. And there was phenomenal enthusiasts in the northeast: Ellen Huntley, you know, up at Murray, uh, you know, Mackey Academy, Aberdeen Grammar. There was some brilliant, really great, you know, really wanted to improve. So you just gave it everything you got, and you were doing like 80, 90 hours a week, and you were coaching. Senior rugby, right down to mini, you did anything. Coach education, a lot, but you know, it was a great it was a great grounding. But you were absolutely the right person for that because you were full of enthusiasm. And there must be guys and girls from that age who now are coaching and development officers, and you yeah. must have watched a whole load of people come from and you, you must have inspired quite a lot because the, although there's lots of rugby hotbeds there, that that's not really where you're from, the borders where rugby is what mm -hmm. you're you're brought up on. So that must have been a big job on selling rugby up there as well. Oh, it was massive. And it's it's funny, and I think of the players, and, and you're right, Bruce, I, I still keep in touch with some of the guys now that I coached in the, the Eastern, uh, the Northeast Under-16 development team. And... Some of them went on to be coaches. They're all over the world now. And it's funny how rugby's a small world, but I can always remember a couple of stories. I remember going up to Robert Gordon's to work, uh, which was the private school in Aberdeen. And it was a first year group that I was working with. And everybody, you know, first years are 12, 13 years old, and they all went inside. And there's this one little kid just practicing his scrum half passing. And I thought, geez, that's a, he's keen, this kid, you know. And I remember saying to Andy Dougal, who's an ex-Scotland B centre, you know, a great PE man up in Aberdeen. Uh, and I said, who's that kid there? He says, oh, he said, that's young Cassiter, young Chris Cassiter. He said, uh, he said, I tell you what, he said he loves his rugby. He'll do well, that kid. And this boy was, and right enough, Chris then went, and funnily enough, Chris then did the full circle and he came back to the team that I coached, the Border Reavers development team, and Rob Moffat was with the Sevens. He got cussed down to play for us on a Wednesday night against Sanex at Kelso. And I've still never seen a try scored like it in my life. From the base of a scrum at the halfway line, he picked the ball up and literally went round everybody, scored in the corner. And that was this little kid that you'd seen eight, nine years beforehand passing the ball against the post. So that was Cusseter. And then the other one was a Saturday morning. I can remember going up to watch Aberdeen Wanderers play. And there was this kid in the back row oh, yeah. who was just smashing everybody. <laughs> and I'm thinking, who's this guy? You know? And literally, I'd come from Gala Shields, the borders. You know, you knew you know, there's a lot of rugby down here. It's a big rugby hotbed. And I remember saying, who's this kid? And it's, oh, it's, it's Jason. I said, all right, how old's Jason? 24, 25? No, he was, he was 17. And he was knocking the 10 bells out of guys. And obviously, that was Jason White. So... There was some great, still is phenomenal talent. And I still think to this day that, you know, we miss a huge amount. We always, I've got this saying that if you always look in the same places, you'll always find the same types of talent. If you, 
where to go and spend, you know, a couple of afternoons at Scottish Athletics Championships or go to the National Basketball Championships or even watch the fishing boats coming in in Orkney and seeing some monster kids coming off of there. I tell you what, you'll always find talent somewhere. So maybe we've just got to be a little bit more innovative in finding it. <laughs> I, I, remember, it. I remember, Bruce, my last Aberdeen story. I can remember going in. Remember the high and mighty shops you used to get? <laughs> you, you had to be a freak of nature to go and big, do your shopping in there. Where, where Big L gets his clothes. Well, so what I did was I, I went and met the guy who owned the high and mighty shop in Aberdeen and said, anyone that comes in here over six foot five, take their name and address. And I tell you what, we found about four players of guys that, because they were all in the oil rigs and stuff like that. There were some monsters up in Aberdeen. So, nah, that's, great, that's great genius. Times. That's great genius. Times. Yeah, I love we, that. There's always, there's always a way of finding talent. I love you that. Know? You, you'll not remember this, but you made I me might... feel 10 feet tall once because you were a development officer and, and when you all came together as a group, it just looked like a lot of fun. It like mm. as a as a young school kid rugby player watching you and Phil Smith and even Tompo and, and these guys coming together yep. head to toe in SRU kit with your car, but fully energy hopefully, and enthusiasm. Hopefully not, the, hopefully not the orange tracksuit that they gave us. You know, that, 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 that one was a for the council. That was a shocker. You asked to take folks' bins out and everything. <laughs> but we were I was at Murrayfield for a Scottish schoolboy trial. Yeah, and we were we were getting changed in the Murray Murrayfield Wanderers clubhouse, and those yep. corridors in the changing rooms yeah. are, are really, like this. Really tight, really and tight. I I came out of changing room, and you just ripped into me straight away, and I didn't even know you knew who I was, and you just started having a pop at me in front of these guys for schools I'd never heard of, and about how oh there's a boy for Gala here, make sure how you're talking and all, and you just ripped into me, and I absolutely loved it. Because it was like this. This guy knows who I am. That's quite cool. And you could uh, there was other boys looking, going, "How does he know who? How does how does that work?" You must know just about everybody in Scottish rugby. You know, I think I do. I'd say pretty much world rugby because I've been around a bit. <laughs> and the thing is, Bruce, and this is really, it's a great thing that you're kind of born with. Hopefully, it lasts for a little longer. But I've got a phenomenal memory. So when it comes to people's faces especially players, uh, and when it comes to names, uh, I just, I'll never forget, you know, and it's funny, I meet a lot of guys, they'll say, oh, you coach me, and I'll say, what's primary school? Oh, it was uh, Bankery, uh, and it was on the summer, yeah, four weeks before the summer holidays, and I can just about remember, so hopefully it lasts, because uh, obviously it maybe might start to get a little bit worse now, but no, and you know what, that was a trial, that was a school's trial that you were at, yeah. So hopefully I, I did know who you were because I'd picked the trial team. <laughs> so that's why I would know who you were. <laughs> uh, we'll not talk about the selection. That we'll we'll no, leave that no, for another no, day. You did all right in the trial, but you missed two tackles and that was it. Just was two? It. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm having that one. So you, you come from uh, an, a rugby area, a rugby town, and I'm not surprised that you didn't forget a face or a person because your old man's exactly the same mm. and his rugby passion is unrivaled still mm. and he's a daft bugger just like you how how much yeah. did you look at him and think I like the stuff he's doing or was it 
was there other influences? What was it? Was it just mm. the whole package? Was it playing with good guys, being in gala, wanting to play for the town? Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, well, obviously, you're incredibly lucky where you come from. So, you know, gala has molds you into who you are, really, especially rugby. You know, and I always I always find this incredible. It's funny, I watched the, the New Zealand advert that they put out two or three weeks ago regarding the players, you know, and it was kind of in the lighting and they were talking about what rugby meant to them and whatever. And, you know, I think quite deeply about it sometimes because you're, you're away travelling a lot and you're on your own and you're in a plane for 20-odd hours and, you know, you are pretty much a product of exactly what you've come through uh, people that have had massive influences on you, uh, and it all starts in your town. That's why I've always loved town rugby. I just think the first place you'll ever take your son or your daughter is through the the gates of your local club. That's the first place you go, you know. So, so my father, obviously, you've touched on legendary because he he coached mini rugby at primary school, Langley, for one hour every Saturday morning for 38 years, right? He never missed a session. While he did that, he coached Gala, obviously. He was the first ever coach at Gala. He coached just about every other town, you know, team in the town. And then he went on to coach the south of Scotland, which had that great south team like Laidlaw, uh, Jeffries. I remember seeing him just recently, and he was telling yes. me about this lad Armstrong. Yeah, Gary. Aye. And, so Gary and he, and he tells a great Gary Armstrong yeah. story. And Alan Tate and all these guys all came through my father's era. And my father coached the South 21s and the South District team. That's what you had to do if you took on the South job. But one of the best stories ever was the time where he coached Langley Primary School. And like I went to Langley Primary School. And, you know, if anybody doesn't know Gala, Langley's, you know, it can be, it's not for the faint hearted Langley. <laughs> So, so literally, my father coached there, along with Mike Gray uh, and Davy Patterson, Chrissy's father. Uh, there was a whole ream of them, Sandy Stenhouse, some great guys. But there was one day they played the All Blacks with the South on the Saturday afternoon, and my father had the same tracksuit on for the morning because he never had time to get changed, and then went and took the team talk at the hotel, and then down to play the All Blacks in the afternoon. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't hear of it now. So. So, no, I was really lucky, Bruce. I had a real grounding uh, and just good principles. Uh, you know, always taught first that team spirit's the number one thing. Forget about all your fancy philosophies and bits and pieces like that. They come way down the line. If you've not got spirit, you've not got anything. And it's funny now, I, you know, I sometimes have a laugh. And I, my father, thankfully, is still around and he's very sharp and he watches a lot of rugby and we have great conversations. And he'll say, you know, all this culture stuff, and they're talking about culture, and there's guys making fortunes out of culture and books. He said, that's team spirit. He says, that's team spirit. He said, he said that's what culture is, you know? And he said, we were the same. You, you, kept, you created the best guys, and you got them in your team, and if they maybe needed a few of the rough edges off them, the team would get it sorted out. And it was just run like a... You know, so he shakes his head. He says, rugby's a wheel. You know, you come up with this great back row move or whatever. He said, we thought of that 40 years ago. So it keeps you pretty humble, keeps you on your, you know, set. And, and then you had folk in the town as well. You know, I think of players and I came up through pretty tough way to do it because 
you stepped into border junior rugby for a couple of years. Jeez, you know, that was a different world league. All guys about 35 to 40, and you were like 17 and a half, 18 years old. No, no touch judges. No nip, touch nip, judges. Nip, nip, nip watching what was Sometimes going on. Sometimes not off even the a ball. referee. Sometimes <laughs> not even a ref. And like literally, it was the good old days. And I'm glad I came through it. I came through the, you know, rucking, uh, full on, you know, fist fights that eventually fizzled out once everybody got tired. Uh, you know, it's just so different. And when you look at the game now, you can't even imagine how different it is, you know. And obviously, it had to become different because it couldn't continue the way it was. But, you know, great times. Two teams in a bus on away games. You know, everybody had to sing a song. Everybody had to be able to tell a joke. If you couldn't, you'd be thrown off the bus. Uh, just just good times, you know. And also, I don't know what it was, and, and Gala was big for this, but he knew your place. And, you know, you kept your mouth shut. You respected the guys above you. You know, there was a real sort of respect for the people above you. I sadly see that absolutely gone now. You know, I think there's a real lack of respect. And I remember my first ever training session with Gala. You know, you'd made it. I'd played for the Scottish schoolboys and you got invited to train with Gala. You know, Johnny Brown and... And like, I've, I've still got my letter. I've still got the letter inviting me to pre-season you, uh, trading. You don't, you don't open your mouth. You just shut up and just work as hard as you can and hope you don't drop a ball, let anybody down. And you know, you didn't open your mouth for weeks. You know, you're just, you just shut up and go on with it. And and now, you know, it, it's a massive blame culture. There's a real, we've got real problems. I think just in the way that our youngsters. Go about living their life, you know. Sadly, right. here, these things. Here, here you know. we go. Right, you you played at that time. Now, I was I was coming out of school at that time, and the game didn't know what it was, and I don't mm. think the clubs knew what they were. There was a real identity crisis in ninety seven, mm. ninety eight. I think, especially in this country. Now, when professionalism hit in Scotland, a whole lot of players were signed to professional contracts, yeah. which took them out of the club game. Now, yeah. luckily for me, that allowed me to then play. Please. That yeah. that gave me opportunity. But what I think was lost in this, and I'm keen to know what your thoughts are, because you were right at the forefront, and I know you've presented what you think could happen and what could make the game better. So uh, you've mm. got far better knowledge than me in this. But what also came out of that was the the guys at the back of the bus. Now, I don't condone bullying, but the, the respect of your elders should never never be doubted the other thing that came out you're talking about singing songs and telling jokes i also think that was removed and i'll tell you i was coaching a team as head coach and we'd won and we had a long bus trip and when they sang a song they had to put robbie williams on here and they could only sing the chorus and i thought and i thought right i'm not having that so i went up the back of the bus and i sang some songs and they joined in because, let's face it, none of them were complicated. And on the Tuesday night at training, as they were warming up, I could hear them talking about the songs we'd sung on the bus on the Saturday. Mm. And it was a bit of a, a light bulb, but a sad light bulb that we, we'd lost a whole load more than just the best 120 rugby players or whatever the SRU signed at the time. Yeah, Can that come back? Yeah, I think, I think I'm always... 
I'm always glass half full. So I'm going to say yes, it could, you know. The, the big thing is every, everybody must understand where they are in the game. And I still don't think it's ever really been put forward properly. So you think when it went first went pro, you had a group of guys all of a sudden thought, whoa, we're professional, right? Overnight, 24 hours <laughs> later, you've gone from amateur to pro. Now, quite a lot of them had been living a professional life as an amateur player. They've been doing the extras, they've been training. But a lot of them didn't have a clue what it was like to be an, a professional player, you know? It's just, it was horrific. And when when you look back, you can't really blame anybody because everyone was just thrown in to pro rugby, right? It was like, right, what do we do here? You know, man, oh man, I'm, I'm in at six in the morning, I finish at 10 at night. And so it was a really interesting four or five years, you know, maybe even longer than that until it got sorted out. But what happened was part of them went pro, so you had guys that were getting paid to play, which created massive resentment because why should you be getting X amount? And it became really not great very quickly. What happens when you bring money into anything? And then you also had a huge group that were completely disillusioned. I'm 27, 28. I'm never going to play pro rugby. Ah, to heck with it. I'm finished, you know? So... It was a really difficult time, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. Possibly, it would have been done completely differently if you know if you know then yeah, what we know now. Then. But you don't, you don't, you know. So you've got to forget it and just say, right, that's where we are. Uh, I've always been a huge backer of district rugby. I, th- I think it's great. The South, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Caledonia, North and Mids. And the exiles, brilliant, great, keep it, you know. Ireland kept it, worked all right for them, you know. Uh, but you can only do what you can do with the finances. Also, and it's something that's very rarely ever talked about, and Scotland's got not huge playing numbers. Everybody likes to talk about, all oh, the numbers are going up, whatever. We're still incredibly small country, and we've punched miles above the weight. We really do. And it's never really talked about enough because, you know, the minute you put the jersey on, boom, you're you're taken for that. So, so there's that. But you know, it's funny, and this is what I find: you can easily bring it back, right? If you've got what a class is the right mindset, management, admin. And I tell you know, I was with the Fijians in November, right? And I tell you what, boy, oh boy, we had pretty much the toughest tour that any country has ever been on ever, because we all got COVID. Right, and we had to spend fourteen days in a hotel room on your own, three meals a day. It was brutal, right? But I tell you what, you talk about spirit. And when we played Georgia, because we only played the one international game because we couldn't play them due to all the COVID restrictions, whatever. Played Georgia. After it, it was it was brilliant because we couldn't go anywhere. So you know, everybody stayed together, which I think the boys do anyway. And then every single Fijian player to a man can sing brilliant, <laughs> brilliantly. Uh, most of them can play an instrument. So you had guitars, you had ukuleles, you had you name it. And the boys just sung from, I don't know, it must have been five o'clock at night till one or two in the morning. And it was just brilliant to be involved with. And, you know, even when I was down in Montpellier with some great bus trips, you know, where guys can sing. and But you've just got to... There's, there's a massive difference. You know, I call it the switch on, switch off mentality. When you're on, you're on. There's no there's no mucking about. We're on it. 
But you see, you can't be on it 24 hours a day or you're just a burnt-out wreck, you know? Same for coaching. So you have to have a release. And also, don't take yourself too seriously. <laughs> That's the number one thing. And I remember I remember Vern, Vern Cotter said that to me way back, we were talking about things and, you know, talking about coaching and stuff. And he says, you know what, never take yourself too seriously. And it's such a good point because most folk do, and, and, and especially coaches, sometimes think that they're just getting a bit, you know, just don't take yourself too seriously. We're all human beings. You know, we all want to be liked. We want to make sure we're doing a good job, but we're going to get it wrong sometimes. Uh, you know, just be honest. Be yourself. Just enjoy what you do, you know. But, uh, you know, it's a kind of long conversation to come back to what you're talking about, but I think it will. I just think you've this whole year that we've been through I just think there's going to have to be some really innovative thinking the way that we resurrect and bring back rugby again. Because I'll tell you, it's a real concern because I think a lot of players won't come back because they'll have just got used to not training and not being involved. So I think there has to be a huge, real push on how do we bring back and just enjoy coming back to the club game? Because the club game's everything. It's your town, it's your village. You know, it's it's the first place you go. And everyone just has to accept that within the club game, there's going to be players come through that are real quality and they will be taken away and they'll play and we should be delighted that they've got there, you know. When it first went pro, players got slated. You know, why are you leaving us? And it's a disgrace that you're going. And, and, and you know, gee, man, I could, you can write the book about it. You really that's that's a, a great point. I'm I'm hoping it's the other way. I'm hoping people realise what they've missed and, yeah, and come back and, and crave it. I really hope yeah. that. Now, Ian yeah. Milne, I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff the Bear has spoken about with club rugby. And he, to paraphrase, to totally misquote, we need more rubbish rugby players. Yeah, because well, we, we, we've not got third and ah, we need them because they talking is spirit. Yeah, those you know first fifth and I, I I've said this at clubs I've coached. We didn't need more first fifteen fixtures. No. They thought oh, but we need more. But they didn't put money over the bar because no. first fifteen players buy a Lucas Aid and then leave. Yeah, yeah. Third and fourth team players stay and sing songs and put money over yeah. the bar. Touring teams put money over the bar. Old boys yeah. teams and women's fixtures that are created. Where yeah. they're the main event, put money over the bar. Well, I think and, HA, you know, even even playing at Gala, we used to play Northampton, we used to play uh, Bective Rangers, uh, we would play Nottingham, Oral, uh, we sometimes went down and played Cardiff or Neath. Uh, they were like fixtures that you played once yeah. a year or every second year, and it was an overnighter, and it was it was like a big thing, you know. I actually feel sorry for the guys now. They just they don't yeah. have what we had, you know. And I'm glad I had that because I still bring that now into my professional coaching where, you know, don't get me wrong, we'll do anything we have to do to win and prepare and prepare well and prepare professionally. But there's times to also switch off and have a laugh and enjoy yourself, you know. And you're, you're magic at that. Absolutely magic at that. Well, right. I don't let's, know. <laughs> let's, let's fast forward then, because you've come from there. You can't ever have predicted you were going to be sitting in your little back cave there 
uh, working with the Fiji Rugby Union, having worked with Montpellier, and then all the nonsense you get up to with the NFL. Let's. One of the things I've I've got out of doing these chats to folk, yeah. most of the people have just taken opportunities when they've presented themselves. Mm. There's very few of the people had set a plan and gone on a sequence to reach where they are now. Mm. They've taken an opportunity and gone for it. Now, Richie McCaw wrote down on the napkin in McDonald's all the steps and he achieved it. And, Mm. you know, Richie McCaw is unique and the greatest and all those things. You can't possibly have planned where you are now. Uh, It definitely wasn't. I think a, a lot of the ways it has, and I'll tell you why, because about... I had a really kind of rough spell in my life for about two or three years. Uh, lost my job for a starter with the Scottish Rugby Union. You know, you were made redundant. Uh, 12 years I'd been there, coach of the National 16s, the National 18s, the National 19s. You're on this nice kind of track, off you went, border reavers, and then all of a sudden decided to get rid of 55 guys, pretty much. So you lost your job. Uh, I lost my best pal through 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 cancer. Uh, newly married, child on the way, mortgage up to the eyeballs, no job. Lying in a bath on a Wednesday night, and my wife saying, "You better just close the door and have a good think about you know what you're going to do next." And I remember lying in the bath there because like I never have a bath. I'm a shower guy because I'm not, I'm always rushing about. And until I just lay there and I just thought, man. Geez, this is a real, this is like, you know, and folks sometimes don't realize this. They all just think about the good things and look what he's doing there and doing that and doing whatever. But I tell you what, that kind of two, it was, it all happened in about a year and a half. It was just brutal. So losing job, losing your best mate, uh, you know, mortgages, the whole thing, everything that you have to cope with. And you can either do one or two things. You can lie down and, and die, or you get up and fight, you know. And uh, I remember my dad always used to say, he said, hey, life goes on. Regardless of what happens, life goes on. So it's funny, Bruce, right? I, I was really scunnered with rugby as well, I'll be honest. I I pretty much walked away from it. I was not happy at all, uh, not a great time. And I think it just really hacked me off. So... For about five or six months, I did no rugby. I never even watched a game. Hardly saw any rugby. Just was part of me thinking, just really not happy. And then I just started watching it again and again and again and again and again. And I thought, you know what? I just think, where's the game going to go? Right? Where's it going to go? And I kind of got my sort of real sort of mojo type back for the game again. And I tell you what, I must have started watching like thousands of hours of rugby, but I only looked at contact and collision because I thought what's happening is the defences are getting stronger, the players are getting better conditioned, uh, defensive systems are more accurate. I said, and I said, there's only going to be more contact and collision, and that's exactly what happened. So I then started pretty much with a blank piece of paper thinking, right, where am I going? What am I doing here? And I thought, right, first of all, I think there's a real gap. Nobody's concentrating on contact and collision. So I gave up being a forwards coach. I gave up being a defence coach. And folk thought I was nuts. Some of my best mates in Gala said, what are you up to? I said, I'm just going to do contact and collision. 
and they went, man, you're, you're never going to work again, you know? <laughs> so I thought there's three things you must do. Number one, the, the training equipment was rubbish. So we couldn't bring around what we wanted to create technique-wise because the equipment wasn't good enough. The methodology wasn't good enough because the coaching was from the old game, which was going to the new. And off I went. I just I remember saying to Richie Dixon, uh, myself and Richie worked, and he's always been great to me, Richie Dixon, a great sort of mentor and a real out-of-the-box thinker, Richie, uh, and a real waste in some ways that he wasn't more involved in Scottish rugby for longer. But, you know, that's the way it goes. But I said, I'm going to create a rucking machine. And he went, OK. He didn't, he didn't laugh. He said, OK. He said, talk about it. I said, I'm going to have to create this, and I want to create a body height and the whole thing. Yeah, you should go for that, you know. So off I went, and I was looking at angles, forces, technique, movement. And that was really the start of it. And then because you became so blinkered in some ways on that area, you knew more about that area than anyone else when it came to better ways of coaching it, the whole thing. And then the machine got released. And then since then, they've now got 45 products that are all over the world in contact and collision. Uh, then I've started creating methodology, rewriting it all. And then, you know, I was back coaching Gala, got back into coaching again. And and then Heine Khmer, out of the blue, sort of picked me up and said, listen, we'd like you to come down and do a week with the coaches in South Africa. I went down for a week. Right, whoa, whoa, whoa. right. pause, so pause there, pause <laughs> there. Because you've made that sound so bloody easy. How did Heineken Mayer get hold of Richie Gray and Gala? What, how how did he know what you were doing? How did he know that you were, let's be absolutely upfront here, revolutionising what's happening? Okay, so this is how things sometimes happen, and you've got to make your own luck. I've always said that to players uh, and also to folk that can ask for advice. You know, you can't wait on it happening. So Super 10 Rugby had started in the Southern Hemisphere, which fascinated me because it was a totally different game. New new laws in some ways. The the game was played differently. Ball was never kicked out, stayed in the tram lines. There was guys trucking it up off a nine and ten. Hadn't happened. So I said to Jim Telfer, I'd wrecked my knee ligaments first time in my life. There were about three more times it was going to happen. I said, Jim, could I get a sabbatical? I'll pay my own way. I want to go down and join one of the super rugby teams for four or five weeks. Uh, I said, I know a guy down in South Africa. I said, could I go down? So I went and joined the Stormers with Alan Solomons. Uh, and I went down on my own, four weeks, just arrived there, watched them train, ended up actually getting involved and doing quite a bit and then going back again. They invited me back a second time. So when I finished that season, I said to... to Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Fully, listen, where do you think I should go next? Because I want to do this again. I've really enjoyed it. He said, well, there's a young coach in Pretoria called Heine Khmer who's, he said, I think he's going to start something quite big there, but at the moment, he's really struggling. He's at his really start. So I got in touch with Heineke through Solly and uh, said, listen, I'm coming down. Paid my own way away. again. Jim gave me another four weeks off, unpaid leave, went down and just kind of struck it off. You know, can sometimes you meet people that are similar to yourself, similar thoughts, similar thought process. And, uh, and, and one thing led to another and we kind of kept in touch and one thing led to another and I had his name in my phone, we'd maybe speak two or three times a year. And then he got the Springboks job, and I was watching Springboks versus Argentina in Mendoza, and the Springboks were getting, it was a nightmare for them at the breakdown. Ron Sierro and these guys were just lying all over the ball and I mean, tablecloth and everything, and you had to move them. And and I remember texting him. I just said, listen, you have to get your breakdown sorted. It's a shambles, you know. And I never heard anything back until about five months later. He'd be this, cursing you. I, I know, know. I know. I got, this, I got this text back. He said, I'm in Edinburgh. Come up to the hotel. I want to have a chat with you. So they'd, they'd arrived at Murrayfield. So I went up and saw him. It was great to catch up with him. And Johan van Gran was there, who's the forwards coach. He's now at Munster. Uh, just had a great hour with him. Talked about rugby. And just it was like he just caught off and... He said, I'm going to get you down next year. And I just said, ah, good on you, and drove back to Gala. So he did, you know, and good on him. And one thing led to another, and then I was there for three years, you know. So, and listen, I just living crazy, crazy. T- talking about how small the world is, when you meet somebody like Solly, he knows everybody in South Africa. You know everybody in Scotland. Solly yeah. knows everybody and their dad and what school they go to and who their well, teacher is. Solly's yeah. knowledge is ridiculous. Yeah, the, rug- the rugby world's tiny though, Bruce. You know, it's tiny. And one phone call, you can pretty much work out where people are coming from. And and I think also what's happened, and this is what's great about the game, and I hate going on about, oh, you know, rugby's this and rugby's that. and Because you hear it quite a lot, you know, this is because of our sport and stuff. And we do play on it quite a bit, but... The one thing is, in this last year, I'll have had three or four Zoom calls a week with coaches, some of them that I've never, ever met before. But I've just purposely made a point of just catching up with them. And if you'll get a text through saying, is there any chance we can catch up and have a chat about this? Why not, you know? And we're very, very open because I've always said, and I've said this a lot, IP, intellectual property, is you. I could give you every single drill I've got but you won't coach it like me. Just as you could give me everything you've got, I won't coach it like you. And also, every single one of us has different players in front of us. So if you're doing the same things with every set of players, you're doing the wrong thing. Right, because right, you, you right. Know? Here here we go, right? Because I, I want to pick up on something you said earlier about being, uh, I can't remember what your language was, but mine would be, we're a product or environment. Yeah. So you're you're a product yeah. of who Gala you've Shields. met, who you've My been of Gala, who, yeah. yeah. So you're a product of that. Now this this last year, I, I get what you're saying about having meetings. Now I know people that have been on every Zoom call, they've attended every they've watched everything Stuart Lancaster's done. And I fear 
for when players arrive back in front of some of these coaches because they're going to be juggling razor blades and catching high balls with boxing gloves on and do because they've they're going to have come up with all of these re- new things that somebody's told them. Now mm. you went to South Africa off your own bat to learn for Richie Gray. Yeah. Now there's there's two parts to this. One is my worry is that there was a time where everybody wanted to play like New Zealand, which meant everybody did the same stuff. And mm-hmm. coaches came from different countries and started to maybe change a bit of the culture of a certain nation or team to fit the coach, rather than, as you're saying, who's in front of them. Now, the second bit to that is the game has become a bit dull because a lot of professionals are doing the same stuff. Yeah, It's just they're wearing a different kit. So, yeah. like the box kick, and like let's get to an edge, and then we set up our, and then we box kick, and then we try and hem them in, and we win a penalty there. And we, where do you see the creativity coming? Yeah, well, for a starter, the game's boring the life out of me sometimes, you know, and I get, I get really excited about Team X playing Team X tonight. Can't wait, you know. Twenty minutes into it, I'm just about falling asleep, <laughs> you know. And and I'm and I'm being brutally honest with this, and I've said this quite openly that, you know, we're we're having to have a right look at the game, and then you get a great game, mm-hmm. and you think, right, what made that game better than the last four I've watched, you know? And a lot of it, funnily enough, <laughs> comes down to the skill levels of the players involved. Yeah, you know, so you'll always get excuses, and you know, I've been heavily involved in the, the World Rugby Breakdown Group and the the high tackle framework, you name it, you know. And I still want to keep the essence of the game. This is the big challenge. The, the Collision sports have a challenge, not just rugby union. Collision sports have a challenge. So you want to keep the essence of the game. But that means that the players are going to have to be more accurate in what they do. It's as simple as that. And it takes time. Players don't change overnight, either the coaches. So we have to coach our players to be more accurate than they've been before. And that's something that takes a bit of time. So I find it funny after three weeks of some new law variation coming in, everybody's throwing their hands up. Give it a year and see where we are after that. And listen, if certain ones aren't working, then you have to change them, you know? And nobody's, you know, going to disagree with that. If it's, We've just got to try and create a great product that players love playing in and coaches love coaching in. And I still think our attack's incredibly poor. We've all become so defence-orientated. I spoke to a South African coach uh, two or three days ago who has been around for many, many years longer than me and you, and he just said, attack just seems to have disappeared. He said, when was the last time you saw a really good back row move? You know, when was the last time you saw, you know, a, a really good... And that's why, isn't it incredible, the try that France scored <laughs> with the over-the-top got, like, millions of hours of yeah. views and... My father and these guys are shaking their head, thinking, you know, that's just a blooming move that they've practiced. And it's because we don't see it a lot that it becomes this great thing. Well, another problem, Bruce, is too, dependent pro level can be very tricky because there's so many other pressures on you. So you might think, you know, we should do that move this week. You know what? We'll leave it till next week. You know, we'll just. So there's a real balance between conservatism and actually going and playing. But the key I'm going to come back to is it comes back to the skill level of your players. And that's where contact, collision, 
technique, pass, kick, catch, run technique. If you can create the multi-purpose player that's comfortable with all of these things, and I'm talking about every number on the field, 1 to 15, then you can then really develop the game, you know. And that was a laugh. I found it funny when uh, I think it was Eddie Jones said he was trying to create kind of hybrid players. But, you know, if you look at a lot of the Pacific Nations teams, these guys can, they are hybrid players. They can yeah, play in a number of positions, it. you know. So it's really there's, interesting, isn't it? There's now. there's something about that makes me laugh because one of the other things that you've said, and you'll have said it many times, but I think I only have heard you say it once, but I've used it since, and I, I always credit you with it. And I remember you saying to a player at Gala once, just patrol between the 15, son. The game will always come back to you. It always comes back. It always comes back. I mean, I maybe said that to a player that wasn't the quickest. That's exactly who you said and it to. I think to. that's because it was told to me about 20 years beforehand. And you said that. I remember you, that was how you phrased it. You said, listen, this was told Don't to worry. me. Just Aye. patrol between the 15s. You between the 15s. Do not go out there. The it's a little bit more... The game will come back. Right, it's, it is. it's funny, isn't it? Jeez. I love that. Well, they, but there, professional rugby happened. So you had professional yeah. players and you had more time, right? What are we going to do? They kind of play rugby with time, right? You need to go in the gym and lift stuff. And then the yeah. first specialists were, right, rugby league are really good at defence. Yeah. We'll employ defence coaches. Yeah. Almost the last specialist was an attacking coach. Yeah, attack got forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, completely. But right, Somebody so you're now, it, you're now at Fiji. Now, yeah. that that must be mouthwatering. Now, I know you don't get them as often as you, sh- yeah. you should and, and we'd like to, but their first thought is, let's keep the ball alive. Yeah, Let's, yeah, let's and, play. And, and the pro yeah. game really denies them space. I watched, I was at Twickenham, whatever it was, four years ago when they played England in an autumn test. Yeah. And I felt really sorry because they weren't allowed to play Fijian rugby because there was no space. They were yeah. they were denied go forward ball, which meant defence was aligned. They couldn't offload because the defence was so compact. Mm-hmm. But the Fijians still love to throw the ball around. Yeah, yeah. And listen, you know what? You you take a country, and I've I've done this a few times now, and you take their culture. <laughs> As we talk about, but you know, you take you take their traits, and you think, right, what are you good at? You know, X, Y, Z, and what are you not so good at? And everybody has good and bad. Everybody, every player has. I always say this: every player has a trait. You know, and if you can find out the trait in the opposition of weakness, then you can target it. It just means you have to watch a lot of rugby, and you have to know, you know, what you're talking about and who you're playing against. But to come to the Fijian, you know. They're just a great group of men. And the sad thing was, we really hardly had any time with them at the end of last year due to all the, the problems we had. So we're all looking forward to this year. But, uh, you know, there's there's things that have to be better and there's things that you can maybe not spend as much time on. And that's just the beauty. And international rugby, Bruce, I've always said, is sometimes the hardest to coach because of time. You've not got a huge amount of time with them. So... What you have to be excellent at is your group, players, coaches, everybody in it together. What's going to give us the biggest gains here, the quickest, you know, because you've not got the 40-week season where you can progress through 
you've got to get it right, you know, and you've got to get it right quickly. Uh, the great thing is you're dealing with some of the best athletes on the planet from that one country. So that that's one bonus for any international coach. But the key is you've got to get the, the nuts and bolts spot on and you've got to work the life out of them, you know. Who do you look at in that Fijian team and think you could play for any of the other countries on this planet? Yeah, it's funny because you could name four or five players, but it would then depend on how the other countries want to play, you know. And that's what I always say. It's like, you know, oh, this player would be phenomenal in that team. But he, actu he actually might not be, you know. And like I think when you look at guys and just, if I just look at the, the guys that are playing in Scotland, you know, you've had Nakawara, you've had Bill Mata, uh, you've got Mesu, the, the big bat rower for Edinburgh, who's a phenomenal player. He just needs more games, you know. Uh, you know, and then Radradas, and, and then we had Mindalo down at Montpellier. You've got Tuasova. You know, there's a number of players there. But, but Bruce, every, good, every international team's got good players, you know. And you don't really see it until every four years they come together in the World Cup because everyone gets a big amount of time with their group and it's really the only time you can genuinely say, right, you know, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, here we go. But everybody's got good players. Everybody's in gyms. Everybody's conditioned. Everybody's strong, fit, fast, or should be. So then it comes back down to skill and it comes back down to how you use this, how you cope under pressure and all the other things, the game plan, you know, is it complex? Is it simple? And you create that for the people that you've got in front of you. You know, and you, you're one of your skill as well as the analytical standard you've set. Your knowledge of all those skills, the relationships you build with players. I would imagine you've. I mean, you've worked to the Springboks. You've won a World Cup. You've worked to Fiji and Montpellier. Never, I've, never, I've never won a World Cup. <laughs> we, got beat, we got beat in the semi <laughs> ah, but you're not telling me that work you did has they followed through those Springboks are yeah, there's a, uh, well that team that team to be honest it was funny I remember Heine Kamir always saying this before we and that World Cup was listen we got beat off Japan first game up let's not forget that you know that's the that's the humbler and uh, and it's funny I remember Heineke saying halfway through that tournament he said you know what It'll be between New Zealand and South Africa who wins the 2015 World Cup. He said, I don't think there's anything in it. He said, on the day, he said anything could happen. And he was spot on. Dan Carter drop goal was the only... Nobody ever remembers that semi-final, but there was only, I think, two points in it. So the team that won that semi was going to win the World Cup, which happened. Uh, New Zealand went on to win it. We went on to play in the bronze final and obviously beat Argentina. And I remember Heineke saying to me, he says, Rich, we might win it 2015, we might not. It's down to two teams, he said, but we'll definitely win it in 2019. He said, I know I've got a group here that I can take through, but sadly, he never he never got the chance to take them through, you know. But quality side, and they were a good age, and the ironic thing is he ended up coaching a good lot of them again at Montpellier because we had a number of South African players there. So, now listen, you just always try to make a difference. And I always say, and it's funny, the American football fraternity say this a lot is I don't coach players, I coach people, you know, and and I never, ever used to think like that 20 years ago when you were a young coach. I coached players and you drilled the life out of them and, you know, you did a lot of things that were wrong 
he caused a lot of injuries in the way that he coached because it was full-on uh, crazy stuff. But it was because that was what you did then, you know? We didn't know any difference. So you'd be asked, how many boys did you... How many boys got smashed up at training on Tuesday night, Richard? Oh, three guys got stitched. Well done. Brilliant <laughs> stuff. And you think, man, oh, man, when I think back now, I'm shaking my head. But we didn't know any different. Uh, you know? I, think, I spoke to somebody and they said, I think what we have to remember is we were doing the best we could at the time with what we knew. That was what we did. You know, we ran into pads from 20 metres out as hard as we could, you know. Yeah. And we played rugby league for maybe 45 minutes on a Tuesday night at the end of the session. So <laughs> you just think, what are we doing? But but no, I just think uh, it's just become an incredible game to be involved in. And, you know, I just you just love what you do, don't you? you but know, just... but you, you keep coming back to a baseline of things. Yes. Skills, skills yes. and relationships. If... Oh, I've got, definitely. And Bruce, I've got, I've got a, I've, I've obviously written methodology behind everything I coach. I never used to think like that. But I found that in international rugby, you could sometimes go down an alley and then you think, whoa, hang on a minute, get back to where you should be. So I created my sort of own control method of where I'm at. And every night when I go into my room, last thing at night, I sit down, open the book up, boom, 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 boom. I'm drifting away for this slightly. Tomorrow I must bring it back in. And I've just done it for so long now that you just know what works and know what doesn't. But if you don't have a relationship with your players, how can I ask them to do what I want them to do in the cut and thrust of collision and contact if they don't look at you and go, yep, I'll go with your coach on that. I'm, I'm going to go for it, you know? So how got... does... Sorry, go for it. So for me, Bruce, I would never coach a player to do something that I wouldn't have done myself, you know? Simple as that. So so how, how does it work then? Because you're now sought after in America with the NFL. You, you're the, did you start off as a bit of a circus act or here's the guy from rugby coming to tell us what to do or were they ready to embrace it? No, never a circus act because to be honest, you'll not last if you try that. So you go in with absolute rock solid principles. You show them this is what will work, this is what does not work. And you spend hours before you go there on film, so you've got film of every single one of their players, so if anyone of them comes to you and says, I disagree with you, coach, bang, come here, look at clip 62, you're on it, on minute 3.09. Have a look at it and tell me what you think. You have to have all the answers, especially when... it's. I've always seemed to have gone to the most difficult places, Bruce. You know, like... I remember in my first ever press conference in South Africa, as I finished it, I walked out and this guy tugged me and just went, I'll give you six weeks. <laughs> that was it. I'll give you six weeks. That sounds and, like getting the gala job. Aye, well, you know what? It was funny, right? Because I remember thinking to myself, folk were saying, you think you'll be able to cope with South Africa? You know, South Africa's. I said, mate, I've coached gala. If you can coach gala... You can coach anybody. And literally, it's funny, I say this. Because Gala is such a small town, if we had a bad result, and didn't get me wrong, we had a few bad results. <laughs> On a Sunday when I'm in Tesco, there is no hiding place, yeah. you know? There's only three or four pubs in the town. So if I want to go out for a quiet pint on the Saturday night after my team getting beat, 
then you better be ready to take it, you know, full on. So I think I was well. It, it doesn't. I always say Gala's a microcosm of the world, right? We've got the Border Telegraph. That's our media. <laughs> We've got radio borders, right? If you go to South Africa, they've got 200 newspapers. They've got 25 radio stations and five television stations. Everything just gets sized up. And at the end of the day, you know, it's just a game. It's just a game. You know? It is just a 15 game. 15 men you've... versus 15 men running around chasing a bit of pig's leather, blowing up. Let's get reality here, you know. Although it can sometimes be very important games, it, it could be, <laughs> uh, and it's it's keeping us in a well, keeping you in a job. So uh, NFL, because I would imagine there was quite a few players, but they wouldn't be any different for rugby players. Hang on, you're telling me everything I've been doing since I played in high school needs to change. Yeah. But if a coach or a, a franchise is bringing you in, they yeah. obviously see value in it, and you're you're going to, whether it's a fine margin or whether it was potentially a big margin, yeah. what what did you have to do? Because you must have to learn a whole load for NFL. Yeah. It's yeah. not just rugby, diet no. rugby. This is this is a different sport. Yeah. Well, also, I was, I, um, you see, the thing is, you do have to learn a lot about the sport. And I know more about NFL than I ever did years ago. And I really enjoy watching the sport. I, I love it. It's phenomenal sport. It's like I always say it's human chess. Played at 100 miles an hour, you know, and it's it's all over within three to five seconds. But the thing is, technique's technique. Bringing another human being down, you either gain momentum or stop momentum. It's as simple as that. So I kept myself away from the plays. I didn't get involved in those things. They're for people that know a hell of a lot more than I do. I'm looking at the technique of one human being making contact and connection with another and when you break it down to that it's actually incredibly simple because head's wrong side wrong foot wrong shoulder hands are too out no grip head's not working so you start to look at all these little things and remember at this level one percent makes a massive difference sometimes at levels that we've coached at if i'm coaching gala mini rugby i want to make a 35 percent gain today you know at the level that you coach at here if you can make a 1% gain, it could be enough to win the old ball game, you know? And the key thing in, in American football is it's yards after contact. I must stop yardage, smash the yard, simple as that. So anything that we can do to prevent the opposition getting yardage, then there's a buy-in. The best line ever, though, Bruce, I remember Miami Dolphins, Richie Gray for Gala, standing in front of about 45 household names, right, who I'd never, I'd never even followed Miami before I went there. The last time I watched Miami was on Channel 4 with Dan Marino. And, and that's I another, thought you were going to say Crockett and Tubbs. No, 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 that was way down the line. And, uh, and literally, I remember just standing in the front and I thought, you know, just be yourself. So I had a few slides, I had a slide of the, uh, the river, and then I had a slide of the raid stain. Uh, just a bit of history of Gala, what it was all about. And then I said, guys, I'm going to make an apology because I don't know any of you in the room. I, I don't know any of you. I said, so we'll just start from square one. Don't care who you are, how much money you're on, what you've won, where you come from, what college you've been to. We'll just start from the beginning. 
And I believe after that meeting, there was about four or five went to the head coach, the defensive coordinator, and said, "Man, this this guy, this guy doesn't know who I am. Is not hasn't got a clue who you are." So it was the best way. And you know what? Jeez, I had a brilliant year there. I went up and down pretty much ten days every month, and uh, I just it was just great. And I still keep in touch with a number of them, a number of the guys now. And sadly, with the NFL, you're not in a franchise for long you know you move around a lot so most of the guys I worked with now are all over the US but they've been great they've been great advocates of my equipment yeah they've been brilliant at, you know using it and posting it and these guys have got huge followings and the equipment now has really taken off in the US through Riddell uh, who are the big you know they yeah. make the helmets and the brilliant company really good people and, uh, you know, we're just going to build it and build it and just keep going, you know. So in, in America, it was part of your role helping coaches so that were you yeah. almost doing yourself out of a job by yeah, educating yeah. others? Yeah, coach, coach Ed, a lot at the start of the season. And then after that, I was in with players. Yeah. So and then on the back of that, USA Football, who's the governing body, came to me and said, listen, would you like to rewrite all our tackle methodology? <laughs> So that took me three years, and I've, I just literally finished that contract in December, and I'm doing another year with them now, looking at prep for contact for sort of schools and youth, which really interests me, you know. So, you know, so there's a lot of youngsters now and coaches all over the US using the five fights principles, uh, and it's it's you know it's making a difference. That's the big thing, you know, just and make a did, difference. Did, when you went. I mean, professional rugby here is still young. You know, it's still largely rooted in amateur rugby. We've only got two pro sides in Edinburgh, but you've been, you know, you've been to Montpellier, you've been to Springboks. Some of the facilities and the resources that these, you know, the Miami Dolphins, mm. you're not speechless very often, but at any time did you think, what is going on here? I got Bruce, I got blown away more by the colleges. I didn't realise that the colleges were bigger than the NFL, you know, and some of the coliseums that are built for these youngsters, it's seriously unbelievable, you know. The college system, you know, Michigan, the big house, as it's called, 110,000, they've never not sold out in the last 20 years. Just incredible. And then the, the classic is you get a phone call out of the blue, so there's a legendary coach in the US called Don Brown, who's like the godfather of defence. And through a, a mate of mine in New York, I get this phone call, uh, Don Brown, I want you to make me a bespoke piece of training equipment. So I said, right, okay, talk, talk to me. And it was all about the cut block where the guys dive into your knees. You know, it's crazy. And a lot of guys get injured and stuff. So, so you ended up making a piece of equipment for this guy, who's now at Arizona, great bloke, and you just think, man, I'm living in Gala Shields here, I'm looking out my garage. It's actually brilliant, isn't it? It's a great story. Great I story. Just, I just love it. Now, talk, talking of great stories, when the beast for the East hit, yeah, you, were on, you were on your... <laughs> I was trying to get back to France. You were on your way back from France, trying know. to get to Gala. Now, for anybody that doesn't know, Gala is a small town in the Scottish borders. A village. A village. There's now, you see, so you land at Edinburgh Airport. And... Well, I was the last flight out of Toulouse. They banned all flights after that. I was the last flight in Edinburgh. I thought, you're yeah, beauty. I'm home. 
I walked. I got the tram. Sorry, I got the tram down to the train station. I thought, perfect. That's it. Homeward. All trains cancelled. I thought, oh, what am I going to do here? So I never use social media much because I'm not a great fan of it. I've kind of watched what's going on and I'll put stuff out in it. But but literally, then I tweeted, and you obviously started get grey home to gala. Jeez, that was it. And eventually, I think I had to walk about 10 miles, but I got picked up by a 4x4 four four and got brought back to Gala at about midnight. So the strength of social media. <laughs> I, I absolutely loved that. We had a hashtag and all sorts. Who, oh, who could funny. get them home? Has anybody got a tractor? How oh, can you get home? It was absolutely brilliant. Oh, so what, what does the future hold? You've got all those pieces of kit. Now, I reckon almost every clubhouse training pitch must have a bit of gear that Richie One Gray piece. has designed or that yeah. company's ripped off from Richie Gray. Oh, well, they've not done it yet because they're all covered with intellectual property, which was... <laughs> Which was one of the best things I ever did, but also one of the most expensive. But, but literally, uh, it's been interesting this year, Bruce, as I'm sure you'll talk about it with a number of the guys. So you can either twiddle your thumbs and tread water for a year. Uh, because I've not been able to travel, my coaching's pretty much been nullified. All the places I was meant to go, I've had to cancel. Uh, I finished in Montpellier last March. So literally, finished in March, COVID hit. And pretty much we're a year later, although I've had my Fijian uh, link. So I just decided, right, I'm going to use the year to completely rehaul GSI, which is my company. Uh, so we will, brand new website, all new structure, will come out in May, June. Uh, and literally, it's funny, somebody said to me years ago, why do you not just do the equipment yourself? Why do you have it with X, Y, Z, you know? And I said, well, you know what? I've just never had the time because I'm, I'm coaching. I've never had the time to organize it. So I thought, right, the minute COVID hit, I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to sort this. It'll take me about a year. And it's pretty much has taken me about a year. But I'm going to create a website. It's just about done. It'll be launched in May, June. All the equipment will be on it. But it'll be well documented on how you use it properly. Uh, I want it used properly. That What really disappoints me is people that spend a lot of money on this lovely equipment and then they use it the same way as they used to use the old They've stuff. Always and, used it. and the equipment that I've designed is has been designed for a reason. It's got you know things attached to it that are to bring around technical accuracy. So I've always said never design a gimmick because if you do that, it'll last six weeks and you'll never see it again. So the great testament to all the equipment is it's been used by best players, coaches in collision sports, not just rugby, and it's making a real difference. So. No, it's good. It's good to know. And I just want to make players perform better, Bruce. That's why I do what I do. You know, everybody talks about this great why. Why do you do what you do? Well, if I'm 80 years old sitting around a fire and I know that everything I've done has saved 50 guys going into wheelchairs, it's allowed 50 to 100 men or women to be kicking a ball or passing a ball about with their children, then you know what? I'm a happy man. <laughs> Richie, you were going to be a PE teacher. I was. Yeah, well, I've always been a teacher. So the PE bit just got cancelled out. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, right. So when when do we get Richie Gray coaching the Scotland national team? Well, I've done it already with Vern. So good old VC invited me up for two but years after the All Blacks. Sure, surely the, surely the gig could be yours on your own, can it not? I don't know if I could do it all on my own. I think you need a team of people around about you. You're only as good as your players. I remember, you know, I've talked to my father a few times and I remember the one thing he always used to say, and I've never, ever gone away from it. 
he used to say, hey, you know, a coach is only as good as his players. And, it, and it's so true. And uh, if you ever, ever start to think that it's about you, then to be honest, you think it's time to give up. And, and now in the pro game or in any game, you're only as good as the coaches around you, the administration, the players. That's a huge family of people, you know. And uh, I've been really, really lucky, Bruce, that I've worked with some phenomenal uh, coaches, practitioners. I've had great teachers. I've worked with a lot of great coaches. Uh, and you just don't want to let anybody down. I always say that, you know, you just don't want to let anybody down. If Fiji, you know, Vern asked me to come and help him at Fiji, you're representing the country of Fiji. It's actually a massive, massive honour, but it's also a huge amount of pressure because you don't want to let anybody down there. It was the same with the Springboks. I felt possibly like you, you, you couldn't not do that extra because you couldn't afford to let anybody down. So, And then it all comes back to your own family and your town. The bottom line, I do what I do because you want to make your family proud and where you come from proud. And some old boy sitting in the old mill with a half pint in the chaser saying, oh, you know what, you know, good on this, he's doing a good uh, job. You know, he's, he's, he's making the town proud. You know, that's that's good enough for me. You, know? you, you absolutely <laughs> are. But you, you're obviously passionate about everything you do. I can't imagine you doing something you you didn't want to do. I can't imagine you have too many things on your to-do list. Professionally, <laughs> professionally. Oh, I know you, get you... Tired. you get tired though, Bruce. You know, you do get tired. Like, And I remember I spoke to Alistair Christie, who we both know well, and Al, you know, great club coach and coached age grade rugby in Scotland. And when I was a PE student at Berwickshire High School, I always remember him saying this to me. And I actually said this to him a few days ago. He said, if everything you do is quality, you'll never get tired. He says, if everything you do is quality, you'll never get tired. And he's so right because there's times you might, you know, things don't go quite right and, you know, you have to redo this and redo that. And that's when the tiredness kicks in. Just you've got to do it the best you can do it. And if you know you've given it your best shot, then, you know, there's only one person you can blame and that's yourself, you know. So get on, get on with it. I love it. Richie, I've absolutely loved it. I've absolutely loved it. Now, at the end of these things, and, and I think I've said this far too often, you're going to have to come back for a part two because part two. There's, yeah. there's, there's, still, there's still more here. There's still a lot more. But I'm asking people to finish the sentence, and I'm, I'm intrigued as to what's coming here. So, Richie Gray, for you, happiness is? Making a difference in people's lives. And I love how you keep coming back to these foundations. And you spoke that's about it. principles before. And No, that's it. Making a difference in people's lives and, and especially your players' lives because uh, they're making a difference to mine. So, you know, you want to make a difference to them. And I'll, you'll, I'll always judge yourself as a coach as if you meet one of your players that you've coached, even if it was for half a season in 25 years' time. And it's like, hey, you know, come on. Let's have a quick coffee or we'll have a beer. and. Have a catch up. How are you doing? How's things going? You know, you've 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 got to you've got to be interested in the people that you coach. They're not just a number, you know. I love it. Richie Gray, thank you very, very much. I think when this opens up, the old mill will welcome you in Wolf in Arms. <laughs> it'd be great, it'd be great when it is open. I've missed it actually. <laughs> <laughs> Richie, thank you very much. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, Bruce.
So, ladies and gentlemen, that man is unique. Uh, I'm very honoured to say that I've known him for a long time and he still treats you just as he said. He wants to make things better and he leaves you better than he found you. And that is absolutely top drawer. Very principled, clear on what he wants to do. And we're back to what I keep coming back to, build relationships share experiences and make memories and I've shared a few with them and I, I feel really honoured to do that. You can catch us on Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can also watch on Facebook and YouTube. Please uh, give us a subscribe, give us a review if you've enjoyed it. If you didn't enjoy it then don't bother because remember if you've nothing nice to say then you're better not saying anything at all. My name is Bruce Edgerson from Happiness is Egg Shaped, and I hope you've enjoyed the Happiness is podcast. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. All the very, very best. Stay safe and stay healthy. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our Happiness is Egg Shaped. Happiness is Egg Shaped. It loves a circle with no end. Happiness is egg shaped and loves a circle with no end. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 